From the front row of the theater to your headphones, this is your Wednesday matinee. The WICB podcast for all things Broadway. We are your hosts, Connor Hibbard and Lou Barron, two certified theater kids with a lot of knowledge and even more opinions. What more can we say? Hi, I'm Connor Hibbard. And I'm Lou Barron. And this is your Wednesday matinee. The best destination for all things Broadway. Starting off strong with a rhyme, as all musicals should. I'm looking at you, Great Comet. We are Connor and Oh, wow, that was shady. Okay, let's go. I, I do like Great Comet, but uh, anyway. <laughs> we are two theater kids who would rather be uh, seeing a Broadway show right now, but seeing as that is not possible, we're going to talk to you about all of our favorite Broadway shows. Uh, in particular, the opening numbers of those Broadway shows. Every show's got to start somewhere. Hopefully it sets the tone for the musical, introduces characters, themes. Anything you'd like to add, Lou? Yeah, I mean, those those are all of the things that an opening number is supposed to do. Honestly, I think shows can live and die on their opening numbers. <laughs> um, it's if you don't set the right tone, if you don't set up what you're about to do in a way that services the story and services, you know, what you're trying to achieve by your musical, then you're lost. And yeah, if you don't know how to put that into the opening number, like sometimes I think writers might have a clear idea in their heads, but if you can't translate that, to this, you know, four to five minute musical bit. Mm-hmm. Or for Steven Sondheim, this 20 minute musical bit. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it varies, it varies. Yeah. But, um, uh, if you can't do that, then you will have a much harder time. I won't say it's impossible, but it will be much more difficult to have a successful show. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, you got to have a good hook. Every, every good novel has an iconic opening line, 1984. Pride and Prejudice, Tale of Two Cities comes to mind. <laughs> the same works for uh, for musicals, and especially in a world where we're getting less and less overtures, incredibly important to start off strong. Um, as, a, as a little side note, I almost included Gypsy's Overture in this, but I said that's not quite. That's but, not an opening number. <laughs> I'm so tempted because Gypsy is, has the best overture in all of musical theater, in my opinion. Ooh. Bold statement. Bold it's, it's statement. Perfect. It introduces all the themes so well. And it's so, oh, oh, I listened to it earlier to prepare. But then I decided not to include it because I felt like that would be cheating. Yeah, I would have said that's cheating and made you pick something else. So good call. Good call. I'm glad you're here to keep me in check. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so right. as far as the first actual opening number we're going to get into, not an overture, my first pick is. Tradition. I mean, right off the bat, tradition is what Fiddler is about. Mm. So just to call the opening number tradition, like come right out there with the theme that everything else in the show is going to center on. Why not just get right to the point? I think that's always a really smart move. And, you know, <laughs> Connor joked in our in our intro bit that, you know, every good musical starts off with a rhyme, but not necessarily because... Yeah. You know, the iconic image of the literal fiddler on the roof playing those first notes on the violin is really one of the most iconic images in all of musical theater. You can see it, and there are so many 
there aren't so many. There are few other images <laughs> in the musical theater canon that, you know, have that kind of weight and that kind of importance. And then it goes into the monologue and such an iconic monologue, kind of unusual again, to start off with, with speaking instead of singing, but it clearly works so well because we all remember it and we all can hear Tevya, whatever Tevya you've seen in your life, mm -hmm. um, saying those words. And then you hear the prom, 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 prom. And again, you can hear it. It's all just in the mind, the eye of iconic theater. And you know, you get the big tradition. Okay, I'm not gonna sing. I can't do that on this show. No. Um, but you can listen to our playlist and hear it everything I'm talking about after the fact. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Fiddler does such a good job with its symbolism and its 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 metaphors and oh, you're right, it is iconic. I can still hear Danny Burstein saying it. If you saw Harvey Firestein as Teva, you can definitely still hear that. I have five daughters. <laughs> I do a great oh, wow. fire steed, as you can see. Every it's just it's perfect. Like the choreography, um, whether you're talking about the classic choreo or the the new uh the new choreo for the Danny Burstein uh revival in twenty sixteen, fantastic. That that's the version I saw, um, mm. where the fiddler has the purple coat. Which Is it just, red? I think it's purple. Really? Yeah. Okay, we'll look it up. <laughs> but I thought it was purple. I've also seen the revival clearly since we're arguing over the color of the coat. Um, yeah, we could we could do a whole episode on that coat. Some people really loved it and some people really hated it. But oh, I love the coat. Um, oh, hot take. I, I keep saying it sets everything up so perfectly, but it does it. All the gender roles it, and and the the harmonies and how they clash and how all the parts come in and. It's just, this explosion yes. of sound yeah and and again back to those harmonies i mean the first time i saw fiddler on the roof was actually a high school production and i mean it just absolutely blew my mind when you know the mamas the papas the sons and the daughters all of those like individual melody lines came together mm -hmm. in you know perfect harmony it just blew my brain out as like a 12 year old theater kid who hadn't had you know that much exposure yet i was just like wow musical theater can do that you know absolutely um, yeah so anyway excellent excellent opening number and i think we we may have started with the best in my opinion we may have uh in my opinion it's not it's very very close oh, um, okay. i think we're ending with my favorite but We'll get to that a little bit later. All right. So my first choice is I hope I get it from a chorus line. Uh, similar to Fiddler in this way, the following way. Um, because as, as, <laughs> as Lou said, Fiddler is about tradition. So it's a perfect way to start the show. And a chorus line is about hoping you get it, I guess. It's about what, what you do for love. Um, which is a fantastic 11 o'clock number, which I'm sure we'll cover someday. Yes. Um, interesting fact about this musical. Uh, so this was not originally the opening number. Um, as, as listeners who are familiar with the Broadway workshop world uh, will know, musicals undergo so many changes before they ever get to the final Broadway stage. And even then, I mean, they change things. Um, just look at Mean Girls. But <laughs> that was not a slight. I do love them. It was originally, the focus of the song was originally about the resumes and the headshots themselves, 
and like I think it was called it's all in here or I've got it all in here or something like that like they poured everything into their headshots and resumes and they feel like that's their representation and then it shifted to their their inner monologues their hopes and their dreams it, I, it's fantastic and I don't I don't think there's any like bars set of bars in music and musical theater more iconic I love it but there's no there's no opening more iconic than that in my opinion it's Lou please I can't even talk yeah yeah I mean I this is another number that I I thought of for one of my possible offerings um yeah I mean I think of the end of the number I think of the the headshot the the hold up holding up the headshots at the end but yeah it really does I, first of all that tidbit you shared is so fascinating I did not know that the original focus of the number was the headshots and resumes mm-hmm. um but it really is so much stronger to get into the heads of the individual performers than to put it on something external like an external object yeah um because where the show takes you is through you know the minds and the hearts and the souls of these people so to start on that strong note again that's going to set you up for the journey that you're going to take with these characters and i mean it starts with what they all have in common is that they all they all want to get it and then you see over the course of the show all the different reasons why they hope they get it and then it closes with you know i mean you you brought up the 11 o'clock what i love and it comes back to again what they all have in common. So, just a beautifully constructed, a beautifully constructed arc of a show. And, th- and that's that's what I love so much about this number is the the dichotomy we get. So it's it's we start you hear all their thoughts, like how nervous they are. I hope I get it, and then I think I got it, and I'm never gonna get it. And they go through this whole journey, but then Zach and um the assistant are just purely concerned about like they're assigned a number, put up your headshot. That's all they really care about. I mean, you don't learn any of their names except for Judy Turner um, and the open number. And and you hear, it's so personal on their end, but so like structured and rigid on the director's end. That's that's why I, I love this opening number more than anything. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the business. That's really how it is, too. Because, I mean, it's a show about show business. And I think anyone who's ever auditioned, <laughs> who's ever kind of been in the shoes of the characters in a chorus line, immediately relates. Because God, I hope I get it, is literally a thought that every young actor, actress has in every audition that they ever do. So, um, relatable, simple sets up a beautiful structural arc bam perfect (laughs) all right (laughs) um so moving on to my next pick it's actually another show within a show so there's a little transition for you i am offering up another opening another show from kiss me kate choice so i will start off with a little disclaimer for this one I was in Kiss Me Kate. It was my first show in high school. So it definitely does have a sentimental value for me as well. Um, But I love that number. And I think a lot of people love that number (laughs) because it starts off so quiet and, you know, simple and very minimal 
um, orchestrations and just the ghost light on the stage and, you know, silence really, except for the few theater people roaming before the show. And then the energy just ramps up on this perfect exponential curve <laughs> because you, you start so quiet and then it ramps up and ramps up and ramps up and ramps up until the end you're like, hey, it's opening of a show, which is like accurate. Is that not accurate? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and the harmonies too. I mean, I remember learning the music for the number. At one point it splits into like, six part harmony seven part harmony um and we were just sitting there like wow and our music director was was like yeah that's this is Cole Porter this is serious stuff this is not your you know little contemporary fourths and thirds kind of harmony musical like this is Cole freaking Porter okay um and I love that too so um we did talk in our in our opening episode about you know, we both pick chill-inducing harmonies over over pretty much anything mm -hmm. in this. A number definitely has plenty of that as well. So the first time I heard another opening in another show was on Smash. Uh, Smash. Smash. <laughs> and I first heard heard it, and I was like, "Wow, what a great original song that they wrote specifically for this show." And then wow. I watched Smash years ago, um, when I was like Wicked's biggest fan. Um, oh. and I, no, nothing wrong with that's wicked, of course. Yeah. And I watched, uh, and then of course I found out it was from Kiss Me Kate, um, quite a while later. Um, that's and so, so this was, uh, the opening number for the opening best musical of the Tonys because Kiss Me Kate was the first ever best musical winner. So this is technically the first song to ever win best musical, which is a nice little, little fun factoid. Ooh, yes. Ooh. <laughs> um yeah i mean lou lou really said it all this is this is the harmonies kelly o'hara singing it is fantastic mm -hmm. uh, what Wait, a did you see that revival? i did not see it no i, I saw it it was oh, great boy okay. um, all right what's your next connor what, what i think is objectively one of the best as well is the ballad of sweeney todd of course from mean girls um no <laughs> sweeney todd obviously <laughs> Um, it's, and the reason I love this, so, so a bit of a sentimental choice for me too, because I saw off-Broadway Sweeney Todd, um, at the pie shop, which was, oh yes! And oh my god, that's I one of the best theatrical experiences I've ever had in my life. Best theatrical experience I've ever had. I loved it so Norm much. Norm Lewis made eye contact with me. He did, he did for me too! Okay, oh. anyway. <laughs> but, it, oh, it swells, and it swells, and then when Sweeney comes in, and in, in that production, he opens the door and the light is flooding him from the back, I think. And it's so creepy, but so perfect. And it's brilliant because it sets up like the musical themes to come through the show. Um, if you've ever seen The Office, um, my favorite episode of The Office is Andy's play when they go to see Andy and Sweeney Todd. And Daryl <laughs> says to Michael, if we don't listen to the overture, we won't recognize important musical themes when they come back later. All the themes loop and it, it, it makes it so much better and so much more satisfying when the big payoffs come. It, it doesn't really progress anything like other opening numbers do, 
but it sets up everything. And that is why I love it because it sets up all the dominoes that will fall later. Lou, please agree with me. <laughs> yes, I do. I do agree with you. Um, I also had a point. You said something that made me think of a good point. Oh, this is the good point. Sondheim is, in my opinion, the master of motifs. He's just the best motif guy there is. I mean, I think every successful and, you know, great musical theater composer has to be good at motifs because that's just a huge convention in musical theater in general. But I think Sondheim is really the guy when it comes to that. The way he inverts every single melody line somehow it's all looping back it's all coming together and um Sweeney Todd is just one one great example of the ways he does that and he definitely does do that in the ballad of Sweeney Todd yeah couldn't um, agree more oh oh I can't gush enough about this number anyway I will I will stop gushing over it or we'll be here forever Lou what is your final offering my final offering is going to be more contemporary than the rest. All right. Um, you might think, you might be thinking, oh, more contemporary, like she's gonna say Hamilton, she's about to say Hamilton, but no, no. but no. <laughs> other one. <laughs> the other one. Uh, my final offering is In the Heights, from In the Heights. Absolutely. I mean, well, first of all, it's the, the opening number is the title of the show, which can be good. Uh, it's definitely good in this case. And the first words of the show are lights up. I love that. Um, and, and, and immediately from the, the rhythm, like, you know, the dun, 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 that little, you know, um, I'm just... If you could see me right now, I'm just banging my hands together as if they were that instrument, and I can't think of the name of it for the life of me. Okay, well, we're just gonna move on. Um, yeah, and that and that first rhythm, you know, the the da 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 da. It's just the energy of that. It has this electric charge to it. I can't even explain. It's just charged from the start. It does. The number starts off a little bit more. I don't even want to say subdued because it's never subdued. Yeah. It just starts you on this train and the train is going and it's going and it's going and, and it does pick up, but it's, it's different from another open and another show. Cause that's, that is like a curve, but this is like, it's like chugging. That's the only way that I can really for describe anyone who's it. Listening, uh, for anyone who's listening, uh, you can't see Lou demonstrating how a train <laughs> chugs along. Um, yeah back on track no i agree in the heights i think it introduces everyone perfectly it's it is it is a very sondheim-esque sprawling like into the woods opening number where you meet everyone and all their hopes and dreams at least for the most part um and then you also get lin-manuel miranda's rapping uh and just his hip-hop stylings are so especially at that time because like Everyone thinks Hamilton is like the first hip hop musical. Um, not but, true. No, yeah. absolutely not. Not and, even close to true. <laughs> but In the Heights, I mean, I, I don't think In the Heights started either, but In the Heights was really probably the biggest one before Hamilton. Or it was the most unapologetic. Yes, very that. true. 
Um, yeah. now, now every musical has a rap song in it. it. I mean, it was revolutionary at the time. And, and I think it, it holds up today. Absolutely. I think. And I also like, I don't know if this happens in every production, because I've only seen it once. But I saw a regional theater production where it starts with some great, uh, the guy doing graffiti. Um, yeah, Graffiti Pete. Right, Graffiti Pete. Um, and it starts with him and some amazing, like, breakdancing choreography along with the dun, 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 the thing. The yeah. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Lou. Yeah, just the the energy is so infectious. And I love listening to it. I don't I don't usually listen to a lot of opening numbers if I'm going to listen to Broadway music. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, I can listen to it just because it makes me happy. It's just a happy-inducing song um and this is the last thing i want to say about this number and it seems kind of maybe obvious or silly to say but lin-manuel miranda loves theater he just loves theater and you can feel his love for theater oozing out of this show and this number Mm -hmm. particularly and he he throws in so many little allusions and nods to his you know, his heroes, because he has so many heroes. And it's just like a reverence that I think is so refreshing. Just this unapologetic enthusiasm for theater and for the medium and the show too, because the show is obviously really personal to him, which is another aspect of, Mm -hmm. it's just another reason why I think it's an incredible show and an incredible number. Yeah, Um, he's a fanboy like the rest of us. And it, it does really shine through. You're absolutely right. All right. All right, we've really been building up to this last one. Have. I've been teasing this uh, the whole time, but my final offering is uh, Vilkeman from Cabaret. So if you know me, uh, and you're going to if you listen to this podcast, uh, Cabaret is my favorite musical. I have seen it live once, um, but it terrified me and astonished me in equal measure. Did I you saw, see the Roundabout Revival? I saw the Roundabout touring version. Okay, cool. That's I saw cool. it. Yeah, I, I, I've never caught it on Broadway, um, unfortunately. But Vilkeman, uh, so there's two versions of Vilkeman, right? There's the Joel Gray version and there's the Alan Cumming version. The Joel Gray version is fantastic in its own right. You should absolutely watch the cabaret mo- movie, Liza Minnelli Slays Me. Uh, uh, the tuxedo, it's, it is still like, it still feels like smoky and, and like dangerous almost. But he's got the tuxedo on. It's he's more classy, I guess. And then Alan Cumming, oh my God! I think no, I seriously think no performer has been made for a role more than Alan Cumming was made for the MC. I mean, it is just it. It is perfect casting, and the way he introduces everything, and and again, like Sweeney Todd, this sets everything up right. I'm not going to spoil Cabaret because I knew nothing about Cabaret going in. And if you know nothing, you should absolutely sit down and watch it. And as all the cards be- begin to be played, you will, you will find out. But it, it feels, like I said, it feels smoky. It feels dangerous. It feels like grotty. It's like weirdly erotic and like, like I shouldn't weirdly be- weirdly erotic. It is erotic. Oh yeah. It's in a uh, cabaret with <laughs> prostitutes. It's erotic. You can say that on this podcast. <laughs> It's, it, it, it feels like I shouldn't be watching it, but I am, and it's so great. Um, and, I mean, the, the orchestrations are great. The little uh, musical interlude that we get is fantastic. 
It's perfect. And then, of course, how the end of the show calls back to the beginning of the show and how everything has changed. Uh, it's, I, 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 I think it's probably my favorite opening number, but it's definitely my favorite show. But Lou, do you have anything to say? Yeah, um, I actually was lucky enough to see the Roundabout Revival on Broadway. I think the opening does such a good job of playing on the audience's uncomfortability. Mm. Like you, you yeah. did mention, it, you kind of feel like you shouldn't be watching it. You're kind of like squirming in your chair a little bit, but it's so unabashedly addressed to the audience. Mm. I mean, he's literally saying, Vilkomen, like welcome to the cabaret. And it's very meta. And the whole show is kind of like that, which I love. This is another one that I was completely in agreement with Connor that this should be included. I, I would have brought it up myself, but it is his favorite show. So after all, he should be the one to talk about it. I agree. Um, so it's uncomfortable, but it's like good uncomfortable, you know? And, 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 Again, the way it plays on what's going to happen without the audience knowing what's going to happen, you get all these introductions to all the, the girls in the cabaret, cabaret girls, cabaret boys, you get the MC, you get everyone, and then Fräulein Sally Bowles, oh boy, oh, and then when he says that and that spotlight comes up, and then you go back and think of that like that was the moment, oh, I love this show so much. Yeah, it's raucous. I think that's the word. I was that's trying to think of the, the, the correct word. It's a raucous opening number. Mm -hmm. And we love that. We absolutely do. But that was a, an exciting romp through the, I always call it a romp, through the opening numbers of great opening numbers of musical theater. You can tell us what your favorite opening number is. Uh, but Lou, I have some bad news for you. Wait, really? Yes, really. And you're going to be shocked. But unfortunately... This episode of Your Wednesday Matinee has closed after just one performance. Man. But luckily, we'll be back in two weeks with another one-night-only, can't-miss theatrical event. And if you just cannot wait another two weeks for your Broadway radio fix... I cannot. Neither can I. Uh, so you're just going to have to tune into the best of Broadway every Sunday morning from 10 to noon on 92 WICB. Listen on 91.7 FM if you're in Ithaca, New York, or stream from anywhere on WICB.org. And to hear the music we discussed in today's show and on our other episodes, uh, you can check out 92 WICB on Spotify for our custom playlist. We'd also like to thank Epidemic Sound for our intro and outro music. If there's anything you would like us to put on the podcast stage, shoot us an email at matinee at WICB.org. We'd love to hear from you. 